Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Necro Thursday. It's another episode of the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Jeff? Going good, man. How are you doing? I'm well. Everything is going great. Um, very, very busy with my job the last couple of weeks. Um, mm. As you know, there was a, I missed an episode of Everything Went Black last week because of uh, some scheduling and uh, you know late last minute cancellations, like things like that. So right. I had to scramble a bit. But uh, we're back on track, and uh, luckily we did not miss any Necromaniacs episodes, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, yeah, it's good to be busy. Yeah, definitely, man. And, uh, you know, but other than that, everything's cool. I had, a, I had a very mild skin rash, which I had to deal with, which I picked up at the gym. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's not your first. Uh, that's not your first one. I remember you told. I think you told me that a few times. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of a thing, you know what I mean. But this time around, it wasn't like a fungal infection. Those are the bad ones. This one was just like some sort of weird rash. I went to the dermatologist, and they gave me. Um, it was technically it's called dermatitis, which is not mm. a fungal react a fungal infection. And um, you know, uh, it's something reacted with my skin. Right, they put me on these uh, oral steroids, you know, so now I'm all jacked. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, it's like a six-day cycle of, like, these weird steroids and, like, a steroid, yeah. steroidal cream and that kind of shit. And pretty much all cleared up right now. That's good. Gyms are kind of gross when you think about it. Like, you're you're sharing stuff. You're sweating. Uh, it, it's just a breeding ground for something like that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most, most of these places are very, very... Um, diligent about sanitary stuff like you know like sponging the mats down and that kind of thing and uh you know it's uh it just happens sometimes you know what i mean someone shows up with dirty equipment or maybe your gear is not as clean as it should be and that's how you get these these issues you know you know who's not a stickler for uh cleanliness is amc theaters oh dude totally man <laughs> do tell <laughs> do tell well yeah, okay well, things I checked out this week, we, uh, we, uh, my girlfriend and I went and saw Oppenheimer at uh, in IMAX at an AMC because it wasn't playing uh, in IMAX near us. So we're like, all right, we're not going to go to our regular theater to see this, I guess. So we had to go to an AMC. And uh, what a fucking dump, man. And, uh, what, do you have, what's your regular theater? I know you, there was one you were going to uh, when you lived in the suburbs. That, uh, was that an AMC? Yeah, that, the Menlo Park Theater I used to go to is not that far away. And it's from here, and it's also not that far away from where my girlfriend lives. So if we go oh, out okay. to the yeah, if we go out to the movies, we do the suburban experience of uh, hitting the AMC at the Menlo Park um, Mall, and um, it's fucking filthy, dude. It's like straight up, you got children running the place, right? You know, yeah, everyone yeah. is like seventeen years old, and totally. they, they have a full menu of food that they sell there. Oh, see, I always just had the typical, or the, the one we went to was like, you know, hot dog, uh, popcorn, soda, just had the, the candy, usual suspects. Now, this, the one I had, the one in Menlo Park is like one of these, like, uh, you can order online a full meal, you know what I mean? It's like. I, I can't imagine the food being any good at, at an I, AMC I can't, I can't even tell, I've never, the only thing I've gotten there is coffee, that's it. And uh, I never yeah. got like any kind of like meal. Um, like my girlfriend likes to get popcorn, so we get that when we go sometimes. But like the, um, I never ordered any of the fucking chicken fingers or you know like uh, yeah, you know Big ZD or whatever the hell they sell there. You know, it's like, <laughs> but they they yeah. they actually have like a full menu, so you can imagine if some seventeen year old kid 
it's his job to clean up. He's not going to do a very good job. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And you know, our the draft house is our theater that we go to. They have a full menu and everything, and uh, never had a bad experience at the draft house so far. I think I love that place. This was completely different. It was absolutely filthy. We went to the two thirty showing, so I think there was one at like ten thirty. Um, the theater was filthy. Um, also, I, I you know maybe one of our listeners will know is fake IMAX a thing? Have you ever heard of that? No, no, never heard of that. Well, I used to go to an IMAX theater in uh, Burbank at the City Walk. Uh, amazing experience. Here, when I went, I just felt like I saw it on a bigger-than-usual screen. It didn't really feel like true IMAX. Huh. And what I'm asking is, am I crazy? <laughs> I mean, like, because I've heard this term LIMAX before. LIMAX, wow. Mm. And I'm wondering if that's what I saw. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some, some people out there had a similar experience. Uh didn't take away from the movie, though. Uh, we saw Oppenheimer. It was incredible. A three-hour movie. I actually had no interest in seeing that when I first started hearing about Oppenheimer. Like, Christopher Nolan doing a three-hour biopic about the guy who built the atomic bomb. Like, eh, I don't know. Uh, glad I went. Uh, it's an incredible film. Uh, the crowd was awful. <laughs> as you, you tend to get in these fucking theaters. Like, someone... We, uh, you know, I usually like to sit in an aisle seat, but we got the last two seats and they were more towards the middle. And uh, there was a girl sitting next to my girlfriend playing cards oh my God. during the movie. Why, like, even, why even go? You know what I'm trying to say? That's what we were trying to figure out. Like, uh, and I was like, I bet her, you know, boyfriend dragged her to this and, and didn't want to go. Or maybe my girlfriend had a different theory. She's one of those people who needs like a fidgety thing. Like she probably has a condition, like, and she's the the, the fidget while while she while she does something. I was like, yeah, maybe. Either way, I found it really rude. I found the entire audience just to be a bunch of fucking chuckleheads. You sure. know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I think they were expecting like a war movie or something with action, and because you know, I like to listen to comments people make at when the movie ends and. You know, people come out, pour into the lobby, and, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of, like, guys looking at their phones, like, oh, I Googled when the best time to go to the bathroom was. Oh, man. Jesus. Yeah, it's like, you know what the best time to do that is before the movie starts? Yeah. Fucking jerk off. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you had people pouring in during the beginning of the movie, coming in, like, loudly during the previews, people who can't find their seats and they got their phone out. Ah, fuck AMC. They suck. <laughs> Yeah, the, the last couple of experiences we had were really bad. Like, we went to go see the new Insidious movie. And, um, you know, right. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big food orderer. Like, I don't, you know, I usually show up, I get coffee, and that's it, and water. You know what I mean? But Tina's yeah. like, she wants to get, like, you know, um, you know, popcorn and stuff like that. You know, so, so um, <laughs> now it's not even like a human being does your order you just type everything into like this uh this ipad basically like a tablet really yeah and then maybe your food comes out and it's like because <laughs> you know still you're eliminating the, like some kid you know from fucking up your order right right you still have to rely on this like 16 year old to get your to make your food the right way and bring it to the right location you know yeah no. so so she ordered some some popcorn and i think like uh like m&ms or something like that and uh because that's actually she introduced me to this thing you do you put m&ms in the popcorn i don't know if you ever fucked with that before 
I can tell you what, I'm going to now. That sounds sound, great. It sounds good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Must be, you know, it's like a Jersey thing, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, maybe. it's good. So the movie is like 20 minutes and it's still no popcorn. Oh, God. And I'm like, how fucking easy is it to get this right? You know what I mean? So, mm. And I just imagine some like kid on his phone or her phone, you know, whatever, TikToking. <laughs> <laughs> like oh oh yeah. that, oh this order oh shit you know and then taking care of it you know what I mean so that the experience yeah. is like pretty bad I might have to um revise my uh, my expectations of going there and like like I, I used to go there um, that's where I've seen like all those ten o'clock Friday night showings of like the last show right. of films that no one wants to go see like like Skinnamarink and stuff like that you know yeah yeah and that's always great because I just roll up by myself there's like two people there. I got my bottle of water, maybe some coffee, and that's it. And then it, yeah. it's a, that's the night. But I'm not used to having people around me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This this showing of Oppenheimer was completely sold out. Wow. Uh, however many people that is in a uh, fake IMAX theater. Uh, so, yeah, you have people talking, a lot of people getting up. Uh, you know, like I said, good girl playing cards. You, you just, you know, I'm spoiled. I lived in L.A. We had to, I lived right next to the Arclight in Hollywood that where, where the Cinemarana does. Oh, God. Where the, the Cinema Dome is uh, one of the best theaters I've ever been to. And, and of course, also in Austin, we got the Draft House. You know, it caters to fans of film, film culture, things like that. And AMC just caters to fucking mouth-breathing knuckleheads, you know? Yeah, basically, man. And um, w one of the cool things now, now that I actually live in a backing in an urban area, in like the metropolitan area, is the access to places like the IFC and the Angelica and stuff like that. And um, oh yeah, great theaters. And uh, you know, we've we've gone in the last couple of months. We've gone to a bunch of films at the Angelica. Like we saw the um, the documentary on Kim's video. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with that. Oh, I'm very familiar with Kim's video, but not the documentary about yeah, it. Yeah, man. There's a documentary. They showed it as part of the New York Film Festival. So we, we checked it out at the Angelica in Manhattan. And uh, and it was um, it's pretty awesome, actually. And, uh, and, and yeah, so there's a, you got you to keep your eyes out for it. It's like, uh, I, don't, I, don't sure. it's, I don't think it's out, like at, officially out yet. So it was part of the film festival. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty sick. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things. I have. Because we um, went to see Oppenheimer, I watched uh, Tenant the night before, and you haven't seen that yet. I, I'm really looking forward to you seeing that so we can talk about it someday. Because, I mean, that movie just flew right over my head. Yeah, that's definitely something that's been on my list, which I wanted to see, and I have not checked it out yet. And that's, you know, I, I, it slipped under the radar for some reason. And uh, the last thing I wanted to, I finished season six of Black Mirror, and I was curious if you finished it. I put it, you know, I watched the first two or I think three episodes and I fell off and um, I got to finish it. I, 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 I'm going to try to watch the rest of it this weekend, I think. I'll try not to, to spoil it for you, but there's a supernatural bend to some of the episodes. And while I enjoyed them, I thought, what the fuck does that have to do with Black Mirror? You yeah. know what I mean? It felt a little out of place. Yeah, Black Mirror primarily is uh, about dystopian near future things. So the supernatural mm. is uh, kind of uh, outside of their uh, their scope. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, it was an improvement over the last season, but I, I missed the glory of the first two seasons of that show. Like it was some of the best stuff I've ever seen. It just 
has not reached those heights again for me. The first episode particularly was very anxiety inducing for me because like, uh, oh, as, God. As, as you know, you know, like I, you know, there's a period in my life where uh, a great deal of uh, anxiety resulted from mobile communication. <laughs> so um, <laughs> thankfully those days are over, but uh, you know, that was like a big, I, I was like watching that and I was like, I, I felt like, uh, like a little white knuckling at some points, you know? Yeah, there were some episodes that were really disturbing and uh, unsettling. Yeah, it just because it all felt so possible. And now when you do supernatural stuff, it does, you know you you lose. I, I lost that connection. Like this isn't real. Yeah. There's no demons out there. You know, I do, I, I do like that kind of stuff, but it's out of place with Black mm. Mirror, though. You know. Yeah, it feels yeah it, exactly. And last thing, uh, I watched The Flash. Yes, I want I want to see that actually. Yeah, you know, I I didn't think it was that bad. Everyone's shitting on it. It's a notorious box office bomb. Ezra Miller is problematic, all this stuff. Uh, but, you know, to see Michael Keaton in the Batsuit again was uh, was nice. I thought it was a fun fun movie. Two hours goes by pretty quick, goes down easy. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I think Ezra Miller is quite talented, too. Great actor. I, I know that he's he's a that people have a problem with him. I don't specifically know what his issues are. Um, I don't either. You know, I just know that he's a guy that people have an issue with. You know. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the better superhero movies I've seen in a while. Not not great, but you know, worth a watch. What about you, man? Well, we touched on this actually, but I've been deep into Righteous Gemstones. Oh man! Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, that's, that's actually like our sun, like our Sunday night thing is. Um, we make dinner and uh, we watch the previous episode again, and then we watch the the new one on Sunday nights. Oh, that's you're all caught up. Yeah, so uh, it's a weekly event, you know, at in our, yeah. in our in our camp here, you know. Oh man, yeah, we, we we've been fans. Uh, uh, we started watching it the the first season and. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this might be a one and done kind of show, but they seem to find like, you know, oh, the last couple seasons of that have been just as good. Well, Dan- Danny McBride and his crew and the writers and everyone associated with his like his little outfit there are comic geniuses, if you ask me, man. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Danny McBride, because uh, uh, you know David Gordon Green is the director on that show, Righteous right. Gemstones. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Oppenheimer, we got the new Exorcist trailer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was curious if you'd seen it yet. <laughs> Dude, I, I, um, I'm, I reject it, man. I don't know. Yeah. I reject, I, I reject it like I reject society. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when when the trailer started playing, I thought, oh, what is this generic horror shit? And then the Exorcist theme came in, and I could not. I couldn't believe it. I was, this is the new Exorcist? And got a big pop from the audience. I got to say, people were very excited. People are fucking idiots, man. It's like, yeah, well, this is an AMC. Of course they are. Yeah. It's like you, the first and the third, Exorcist 1 and, and 3, Legion. Yeah. Exorcist and Legion are fucking perfect films. They're brilliant. They're like the two of the best horror films ever and you know just even just films and especially three Mm. three is great because it's like such a brooding meditation on like you know 
consciousness and you know death and all that stuff and it's like it's great it's, it's great like, yeah it's like it's a it's it's all told in dialogue you don't really see much um you know you don't see it there's not a lot of special effects really in the third one yeah and the director's cut is even more dialogue heavy yeah yeah that's that's legion right that's the director's cut yeah it's, yeah. Oh, yeah it's, yeah, a, it's legion. very good it's worth seeking out yeah Rennie and I went to see uh, Exorcist three a few months ago, but it wasn't the director's cut though. It was the the original, the theatrical cut. And, um, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, that one's still good though. Yeah, um, and then uh, and then for the first one, you have then you have the the fucking gore fest, not gore fest, but the special effects. You get the gross outs. You get like the yeah, you know the tro- the horror tropes in the first one. So you really get a full spectrum of weird entertainment. You get you know the possession. You know the the sort of uh, you know gross out scenes, you know, and then you get the more introspective, dialogue heavy, uh, meditative, atmospheric third one, and it's like perfect. So no one is going to get that. You know what I mean? Like that's Blatty's like expression. No one, no one else is going to ever capture that feeling. So why even try to remake it? I agree, and uh, I mean, proof is there's an Exorcist two, and there's two versions of Exorcist four, and none of them work. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure David Gordon Green is the guy to bring some. I mean, I, maybe 15 years ago, I would say so, but not now. I don't think he's the guy that has like some fresh, new idea or something that's going to really, you know, feel like it fits in, in that world. I mean, I know they brought Alan Bernstein back, and like, I, I just. I hear Linda Blair's in it, but they're trying to hide it from, yeah. from, from people. Um, you know, you could bring the entire, everything back. William freaking get him back as director. Uh, and I still don't think I just, nah. no, I just, uh, I, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. No, it's not a remake, but they're doing the possession again. And that's what was cool about Exorcist three. It wasn't really a possession movie. No, no, not at all. No, it's, it's like a, it's an expansion on, <laughs> The mythology that he set up in the first in the first uh, episode of it, the first piece, yeah. you know, the first novel, and that's the yeah. thing, man. It's like I don't know. You just it's it's like you cannot go back and cap- try to capture these things, you know. And I would rather have seen another, like an interesting director, take the mythology and expand on it, and you know, do some world building, you know, maybe have a prequel or maybe have like you know further, you know. Like kind of, there was a TV show that actually covered some of this that wasn't bad. Actually. Oh, did it? Yeah. Really? You know what, dude? I didn't even know it existed until like a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's like two seasons. And I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was great. But it's definitely worth checking out. It's not... It's it Conceptually, it's, it's interesting. And that's what I would like to see more. If they're going to do anything with that, that IP, with the Exorcist you know, IP, they should do something like that. Yeah, I know 4 was a prequel. Both versions of it, I think. Um, I'm going to watch those again. Yeah, you know, but yeah, definitely try to look up the series. And the first season's good. Second season kind of fell off. I mean, yeah. it's not good, but it's, 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 I think, worthwhile to check out, honestly. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, I am going to see the new Exorcist movie. And if anything, I smell a three-way episode between oh, yeah, me, no, no, you, and Mike yeah, talking no. about it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to watch it, and we're going to discuss it on this show, for sure we are. I mean, we have to. How are we not going to watch it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, last night we attempted to do um, a John Carpenter uh, trilogy of the apocalypse in the evening, but we only made it mm. to, uh, we So we got we had The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness on deck last night. 
So um, classics. You know, we went out, we got some burgers at this place, and then we we engaged in trying to watch these three films. But we only made it to um, the end of uh, the Prince of Darkness, and then we put uh, In the Mouth of Madness on hold hold for later today, probably. Oh, nice. You know, my second date with my current girlfriend, that's what we watched. We watched um, Prince of Darkness. My, that's probably one of my top... Actually, The Thing and Prince of Darkness are my probably my two favorite uh, Carpenter films. You know, I, I, all three of those. Uh, honestly, I, I got to say Mouth of Madness might be my favorite. Sam Neill, you got to love him. You really do. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's a great movie. I'll never forget going and seeing that in the theater with my friends in high school and just being totally blown away. Yeah. So that's what I've been checking out lately. Um, you know, like I said, it's just been like mad busy at work and just getting crushed. But this week, you know, I'm finished with, uh, all the busyness and, you know, next week's next couple of weeks should be pretty chill, which is good. Yeah, great, man. Nice. But uh, before we get further off track here, uh, we're going to shout everyone out. We got the uh, the Illuminati of podcasting, the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. And uh, starting the week off on Mondays, we got Brandon Legion uh, with Horrorwolf 666, a brother podcast in the horror realm. And we're trying to take it over the horror podcasting stratosphere with uh, the two of these shows. Tuesday, mm. the best metal podcast on the internet. Of course, that's Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Smith. Wednesday is Everything Went Black, which I apologize for missing last week. But there's some uh, scheduling issues outside of my control. The one guy that I had lined up had some, you know, issues, some pretty pretty serious like stuff that he had to deal with. So we had to bail on the mm. episode, and we're, we'll we'll reconvene. Thursday, of course, is Necro Thursday. Friday, we have Break the Apocalypse with Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper. Saturday, take the day off. I know it's really hot out, but try to go outside. Get some air, get some vitamin <laughs> D, you know. Stay cool, you know what I mean? Stay hydrated. Yeah. Sunday, Carl Hikara comes back with Soul Knox, and that's for anyone who's into darkness, the esoteric, the occult. And occasionally I go on there. Pretty much uh, Carl and I collaborate on the Darkness Weaves um, collaboration, which we talk about the work of Carl Edward Wagner, a criminally obscure, weird fiction, horror, dark fantasy writer. And we're hoping to bring that to everyone's attention. So we have uh, one voicemail from last week. So if you are interested in uh, talking to us, you know, leaving us messages, making recommendations. Actually, this episode is uh, has been recommended to us from the voicemails. So we're making attempts of chipping away at this list of recommendations that everyone has. So um, if you want to call us and leave a uh, voicemail, that is 908-913-0782. That's 908-913-0782. And uh, this past week, we got uh, Mike from PA. Thanks uh, for calling, Mike. I always look forward to hearing from you every week. Yeah, me too. Yeah, good morning there, my Negro brethren. It's Mike from Telford. I'm on my way to work. It's about 7 o'clock. Really enjoyed the Dagon episode. Couldn't agree more. I was disappointed with that when I first saw it, when it came out. I have a Lionsgate DVD of that. And a little disappointed, but I think I was just expecting too much. My expectations were too high for Stuart Jordan and uh, Paoli making a Lovecraft movie. But 
I watched it not too long ago. I think we found it on a streaming service, and my girlfriend hadn't seen it and actually liked it a lot more than the first time around. So it's a fun movie. It's not a classic, but, you know, I wish uh, Stu Gordon was still with us and able to do some stuff. I made a bunch of great things. Um, it kind of throws my 80s theory out of whack, don't it, because I like the Stuart Gordon movies. Um, last night we watched a thing. I'm going through my old DVDs because we had an incident in the foyer and some shit fell over. You can't stack uh, cardboard boxes for like 20 years and not expect them to degrade, so I had to go through my old DVDs and shit. We watched a thing last night called The Norless Tapes. It's a Dan Curtis. It was a pilot for a series that never happened, but it's very, very cool. It's very Kolchak. I mean, it's Dan Curtis, but uh, if you haven't seen that, I don't want to give too much away, but it was it was real cool. It's very, you know, it's very 70s. It would have been a great fucking show, but uh hope you guys are all right. Really enjoyed the episode and uh taking the old, uh, I almost called her the old lady. Don't, yeah, uh, I could get in a lot of trouble for that. I, uh, we're going to the, to the beach this weekend in Delaware. It's, it's her birthday, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fry my Irish ass on the beach. But I hope you guys have a good weekend. Look forward to next Thursday and fucking show. I I look so forward to Necro Thursday, guys. Appreciate it. Later. All right, so Mike, uh, you know, thanks for the thoughts on Dagan. You know, that's like a uh, you know de- debatably good film. You know, something that we yeah. enjoy. You know. We didn't even know it was a timely episode either, Mike, did we? It's just celebrated like an uh, an anniversary. Yeah, yeah. i completely unaware of that. Have you seen the Norlis tapes? That's something that I've always wanted to check out. I have not seen that, no. It's uh, something that's on my radar, and it's definitely, um, you know, that's uh, that's the kind of thing that I would be totally into. And, uh, Mike, I hope your, uh, your beach trip went well and that you had adequate uh, sunscreen on. Yes. Awesome. So that brings us to this week's episode, The Wailing, which um, a lot of you out there through the voicemails have expressed interest in uh, in us talking about this film. And uh, I, I'm surprised that we haven't actually covered this because this seems to be uh, a movie that is comes up on a lot of people's radars. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's older than I thought, too. Like, I, I feel like I, this came out a few years ago, but it was 2016. Yeah, uh, May, 6, May 12th, 2016. It's a South Korean production. Runtime, 156 minutes. It's, it's an epic. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure that uh, we'll have some thoughts about the, film, about the, the length of this movie. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to destroy all these names. Um, uh, apologies <laughs> for anyone out there who is, uh, you know, from, from Asia. And uh, I apologize for my, uh, you know, ignorance in, in pronouncing these, these names. So directed and written by Na Hong Jin. Okay. I'm sure that's like, sounds horrible the way I did it, but apologies. Um, cast. You know, these are all Korean actors. Uh, we have uh, Quack Du Hwan as Jung Gu. He's the cop, I would say, father, and he's the main character of this. Kim Hwan Hee as Hyo Jin, the daughter. Uh, Jang So Yeon as, uh, as Jung Gu, his wife. Uh, that's um, Jung Gu's wife. 
Jun Kinimura as the Japanese stranger. Mm. Huang Jung Min as the shaman. And those are pretty much the main characters. There's some peripheral, you know, people involved in this. And um there's a lot of yeah. twists and turns in this in this film. And um just to, yeah. to give you like a quick, you know, overview, um the the main summary of the plot of this movie is it centers around a policeman and there's a series of mysterious killings in this small town, in this Korean village. And uh there's a seems to be a connection between everything and there's a mysterious Japanese stranger and he seems to be at the center of this and uh, things get personal for Jong Gu when his daughter Hyo Jin becomes possessed and that's kind of the, the, the if you were to reduce the plot that's kind of what this whole movie's about yeah I would say that was pretty accurate yeah so before we start talking about the movie, I just wanted to talk about the director real quick. He made a couple other films that I've seen, uh, The Chaser and The Yellow Sea. Have you seen either one of those, Mike? I haven't seen either one of those films, but I did see his uh, more recent film, The Medium, which was that was on show yes. for a while. Have you seen that one? Oh, was, oh okay. No, I didn't see that. I, I, I was completely unaware of that. I'd like to check it out. Yeah. What, what are the other two films about? Like, what's, what's the story with well, that? They're not horror movies. The, I mean, uh, tonally, they might share some similarities with The Wailing, but The Chaser is basically about like this piece of shit. He's like a pimp. And uh, The Yellow Sea was more of like a, a somber uh, drama. Um, I haven't seen either one in quite a while. I think The Chaser was on Netflix for, for a long time. Back in the day, that's where I saw it. Uh, but yeah. both are worth your time. If you're a fan of this film, uh, I would highly recommend you go back and watch The Yellow Sea and The Chaser, especially The Chaser. Yeah, the me- the medium is um, pretty much in line with the whaling as far as like subject matter. Uh, I think the whaling and the medium, I would classify them as like Asian folk horror, really. And, I'm glad uh, you, yeah, yeah, for sure. That you know, it's like there's there's a tradition of that style of storytelling in in Asia as well as like you know, you think of folk horror, you think of like you know the Wicker Man, and you think of like you know Cornwall, UK kind of stuff. But these kind of um, mythology, folklore based um, narratives are you know, all over the world, and both this film and the medium kind of touch on that, in my opinion. You know, yeah, it's, we're big fans of a folk horror on this podcast. And, you know, that's true. People think of Asian horror as its own thing completely, you know, but like this is very, this and like uh, one of our listeners brought up before, Ami Onibaba, which has a lot of similarities to The Witch. And so does this in a, in a, in a, in a way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll get to some of the really cool parts of this film too. But yeah, so I, I have only seen one other film by this director and I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it, you know. For sure. So what is there to say about this movie? Um, well, I mean, what, you know, like, the, the, it, this is, it, you know, we talked about it last week when this was recommended that I wasn't a huge fan of this movie and you were. Right. So it's interesting to, to go back and watch it again. Uh, and see, uh, yeah, I, my first time around, I had some problems with it. Uh, I thought it was too long. Uh, I found it, I find myself getting lost throughout the movie and, and at the very end, 
uh, was just kind of confused as to what happened. But this viewing, um, a lot, I don't know, maybe I was paying closer attention. I don't know, but I found a lot to really admire about this movie. And one of the things I really like is the tone of the movie. Yeah. From where it starts to where it ends, very different. Yeah, because we open up and we see a very, um, you know, healthy family uh, setting. You know, with the with the um, the father, the mother, and the daughter, and there's the mother-in-law that lives there too. You know, very traditional, right? You know, Korean, yeah, South, South Korean family setting. There's almost um, there's a lot of like this the the, the kind of humor elements of it too. You know, they they play off that a little bit. And um, then you see the, the juxtaposition of the family element, and then uh, the father goes to this uh, crime scene, and it's it's a brutal crime scene, you know. And you get to see like the two, the family, and then there's like murder, basically, and it's just like kind of jarring in some ways. You know what I mean? It is, yeah. But they kind of keep up the sort of comedic tone. Like you get, you know, they're really introducing the main character, and he's. Uh... Seems like a, a likable guy, but doesn't really get a lot of respect. Like yeah. his family makes fun of him. The guys at the police station at the crime scene, they're like, "Oh, you're a fuck up," kind of. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You know, and that's and kinda so it's like, kind of funny. Yeah, and it run, it runs contrary to like you know, like in an American film, like that guy would be this kind of badass, you know, like somber, you know, sullen loner or whatever. You know, what I'm trying to say. Like, no, no, I, yeah, dude, I wrote the same thing down. I was like, like this is such a flip of the, um, this was an American movie, like that cliche of the hard-boiled cop. Yes. You know, probably like an alcoholic, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's a divorce, He's really divorce. driven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy is none of those things. He's just sort of a guy doing a job. Like, it's almost really not important to the plot that he's a cop. Um, in some ways, yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I can see. That. Actually, you're right um, because it is more about the the possession of his daughter. I can see what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. like an unremarkable guy. Like physically, he's just kind of like this, you know, like regular dude. Nothing remarkable about him, and yet he's thrust into this supernatural element, and that's kind of um, what I found really interesting about the movie as well. Yeah, me too. It, it's a slow burn for sure. And I, I like the introduction. There's like sort of like local folk folklore about the Japanese stranger. And I like the scene in the police station between the main character and another cop where there's sort of, you know, the guy's telling him sort of like go or like rumors uh, about this guy. Also, this film really takes its time, like unfolding. You know, I mean, I think that I think it was like maybe 45 minutes into the film before anything really sort of kicks off as far as the, the main plot lines of the story, you know? Yeah. At first viewing, I found it a little unnecessary. I still find it a little bit long, but, but part of its effectiveness is its length. And part of the emotional punch is how well you get to know this guy and his family. Like it's important to the story. In some ways, and this this is going to sound, but hear me out when I say this. It's almost like <laughs> in, in um, a Serbian film where <clears throat> the first forty five minutes of that film too are just you getting to know this guy and his family and get to like him and you know, and then it all hell breaks loose after that. You know, and this this isn't as as extreme obviously as that film, but yeah, you spend a lot of time developing the the, the bonds between the characters and 
a little bit of the backstory. You're introduced to the Japanese stranger who's nameless. You know, is this guy that lives out in the woods, and uh, you know, every the town has this. Um, everyone, there's rumors about who he is. Actually, no one, you know, everyone's making up stories basically about what he's doing here, who he is. He's a rapist. He's this. He's that. You know, right? Yeah. Um... Yeah, and it's you know, I wanted to, to, to point out, like, also in an American movie, like, this would be, like, a cat and mouse kind of movie between, like, the killer and the cop, and this is totally not that. No, it's not a, not that at all, you know? And um, the, the, uh, the, the other element of this that initially might seem unrelated is there's this, like, bizarre... It, seem, it appears to be an infection that's breaking out in the, um, in the, in the, in the town. And right. What the first time I watched this movie, I was like, okay, is this going to be some kind of zombie thing or, you know, some like kind of infected type of movie, you know? So there's that element gets kind of injected into this because there's like, there are those like kind of uh, trope style elements. And then there's this mysterious stranger. And that's what's cool about the movie is that on first viewing, you're going to be like, well, what actually is going on here? We got these elements and it takes a long time to play out all these pieces until they're actually kind of reconciled towards the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, second viewing a lot of this, you know what? Second viewing, I was thinking this kind of reminded me of, of kill list a little bit mm-hmm. uh, as like, it doesn't exactly spell it out for you at the end, but all of the pieces there are there. To, to come to the conclusion. I, the first time I found the ending very confusing. Uh, this time I didn't. And I, it made me appreciate it so much more as a, as a film is like, Oh, like now I kind of get what this movie is, is doing. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You mentioned kill list. Um, Cause they are kind of like, uh, I could see them being related in the sense that both of them are folk horror you know, quote unquote films, uh, very different tones though. And, um, yeah, definitely culturally very different too, you know? Yeah. I, I just really appreciate that, that the movie doesn't spell it out, completely spell it out for you. Cause uh, it was kind of like, I mean, did you find this confusing at yeah. all? Oh, first yeah. time through? Absolutely. Okay. I still find it a little confusing to be honest. And you know, some of them might be, I do too. some of them might be the subtitles, you know, a little bit, some of it might be, you know, the fact that it might be a little bit long and um yeah you know but it, it's i both both i've watched it twice i only saw it one time prior to this and both times i really liked it the second time around i liked it more because i was aware of what all the plot elements were you know um right so, so what basically what happens with these this it's perceived as being an infection and someone gets infected and they kill their families and all their loved ones around them all right so that's the, con- the main conflict, the main sort of culture, uh, community um, conflict that's going on, all right? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the thing that connects all these people is their interaction with the Japanese stranger, okay? So yes. uh, this guy has appeared in everyone's lives at some point, and that is perceived as the cause of all this, this like, change. This, this, uh, I'm going to call it a possession, Okay, of the people that get infected, right. and they you know, they develop this rash, you know, not not unlike the rash that I just uh, you know dealt with, <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
you know, and, and then they start ha- having all these violent acts. Also, yeah, and also there's a lot of dream stuff that goes on in this film too. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, you know, again, the movie takes its time to introduce the daughter and how sweet and funny she is. So it makes the scenes of her slowly becoming possessed so much more effective. And then, uh, you know, of course, in, in an American film, and this, you know, we were talking about The Exorcist earlier on, and um, they first, in, it, 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 this is actually kind of cool that you brought that up earlier. Um, you know, in a movie like The Exorcist, they first, when these things arise, they look to science right away, medical stuff, brain, you know, CAT scans, yeah. like all this stuff, you know, spinal taps, whatever. Here, they're like, oh, we have to get a shaman. Right. Like, it's like, it's like a, this is obviously uh, some kind of possession situation. Uh, we have to get a shaman to like sort this out, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, it ends up being a pretty big plot point in the movie. Yeah. There's a couple of different shamans actually, you know, there's a mysterious woman in white, you know, there's all these like strands that get introduced into the film. Um, so the daughter gets possessed slowly. You know, and it's it's uncovered that she had had some contact with the Japanese stranger. All right. And there's also scenes of the Japanese stranger out in the woods, like, you know, eating raw flesh and, you know, things like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's a very big mystery about who this person is. Right. And, but it's often uh, stories and dreams, though. We don't actually know that he is what they think he is. Right. It, it's like the unreliable narrator. You know, it's like in an Edgar yeah. Allan, like an Edgar Allan Poe like story where someone's telling you a, telling you a narration, and you're like, looking. You have to read between the lines to determine what's what's actually happening, what's real, what's imagined, what's your own the person's point of view conjuring up, like that sort of stuff. Yeah, and like yeah, like you said, forty five minutes. Like the, the movie really starts to it, it slowly gets more and more intense and then that that sort of slapsticky comedy that was so you know uh present in the beginning slowly starts to drain out of the movie and by the end you realize you're actually watching something pretty dark like it, it it's not what it, it from where it ends from where it starts i think there's two totally different things and very unexpected and one of the strengths of the movie yeah and we, we mentioned uh, shamans, right? So there's a couple of different yeah. sh- shamans involved in this. Like the first guy that comes over is, uh, he's a, like a, basically, he's a priest. He's like a, de- a deacon, not a priest. He's a deacon. And um, he turned out to be kind of a chucklehead, you know, wasn't able to do the job. And then they, they find another shaman who's like more of the real deal. You know what I mean? And he, right, yeah. but he's expensive and he needs money and this kind of thing. You know, yeah, he's a little like flashy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's the guy who purportedly can do the job. Now, there's all sorts of really cool footage, really cool scenes of the ritual and you know, the, the various things they do to, to try to deal with the possession of the daughter. Yeah, I thought that was one of the best scenes, if not the best scene in the movie, was the dual ritual scenes. Um, because while the shaman is performing the ritual, uh, um, 
the, uh, the Japanese man is also performing his own ritual. And we're, we're, we're trying to tread lightly here because uh, we don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. But those scenes are very misleading. And if you're not paying close attention, it can add to the confusion. Because I really, like I said, the first time through I saw it, I was like, oh, wait, what about this? What about this? It doesn't make any sense. But it became clearer to me in a second viewing. Yeah, totally. You know but what's yeah. happening there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, it's just um, that was very effective, man. Like, can you imagine what it would have been like at that shoot? Like, what that scene would have been like to shoot that? Oh man, yeah. I mean, we had it blaring uh, <laughs> in our little in our in our living room. Uh, it's it's super intense. Yeah, the, it's really loud and it cuts between two different uh, settings. I mean, it's such a good scene. But um, the uh, you can see how it's affecting the daughter, you know, and she's having, uh, you know, it, it looks like it's really, you know. So John Gu steps in and he's he's like, stop the ritual. We can't go on anymore. You know, they're, they're afraid that it's going to kill his daughter and that sort of thing. So the ritual actually isn't completed, right? Or it's out of stalemate. Yeah. Let's say it's out of stalemate. I would say because during that period of time, no one, they're not, you know, you you're. I'm assuming that they're not aware of the Japanese stranger doing his own counter ritual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that as well. Well, at least like the, yeah, the, the family doesn't know. Yeah. So they're just like perceiving this thing as being like, that's incredibly, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's harming our daughter and we, we want to, you know, stop this before she's, you know, killed or whatever. Right. And, it made a little like the scene that follows it made it like again a second time through. Uh, there's a scene in this where like it's almost sort of looks like something out of a zombie movie. You know, you know what I'm talking about that that scene right after. Yeah, yeah. There's there. That's the other thing. There's there's all these other elements. And like the first time I saw this film, not knowing anything about it or where it's going, I was like, "What the fuck is going on, man?" Like you got like yeah reanimated corpses, you know people attacking each other and uh it's not obvious like this is definitely something you need to see a couple times to get the full spectrum of the, of the narrative yeah absolutely i even think i'd benefit from the third viewing because there's still a lot of things i'm not sure of but like that whole scene with like yeah the, the guy uh there's like a, a guy who's seemingly like a, an, an animated corpse and he's attacking uh the group because they go to see the japanese man they think um our lead character basically has like a posse with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but that scene, once I really took in the ending and really thought about everything we'd seen, that scene did make more sense to me. So where do we all want to go after this? Cause it's like this, this second, this last bit really is the, the whole delivery point. I don't want to ruin the, the film for anyone who hasn't seen it just yet. Yeah. Well, I'll say, yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to really say without spoiling it, but the movie kind of sh tells you what it is, and then you really start to question what it is. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of um, red herrings throughout the movie. Maybe uh, the Japanese guy isn't what uh, they think he is. Maybe this mysterious girl is not what we think it is um you know there's a there's a lot of uh ambiguity in, until there isn't 
this is where we get the unreliable narrator element of the yeah. uh, of the film and that's what i really appreciated about it is that it's not a linear plot it doesn't expect you know explain everything to you but it also isn't one of those cop-out films either where um it's like oh yeah we want you to figure it out meanwhile there's no any kind of uh, you know yeah they just got lazy with it they really did in a very liter the literary sense provide unreliable narration um, because a lot of it is told through dreams. A lot of it is like misunderstandings of things that are going on and personal biases about things. And yeah. it, it creates a, you know, there's like a, a misleading element to that. And then it gets reconciled at the end. And then you're still left with a little bit of um, a little slight bit of ambiguity where you can maybe discuss like different ideas about what happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We we talked about it for a bit after we watched it last night. Um, there's a lot of that, but you know, again, like you said, it definitely doesn't cop out. Like I think you know who everyone is and where they stand at at the end. You know. Yeah. But and you don't see it coming. It's not. It's not even really like a twist either. Um, it's hard. It's hard to hard to explain. I guess. Uh, but I mean, it's a movie that is straightforward and full of surprises at the same time oh yeah well put very well put <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you and maybe they can use that for the uh you know the blu-ray cover when they reissue it <laughs> jeff cashy necromaniacs <laughs> <laughs> um but you know what also i'm really glad this was recommended and because i i don't think i would have thought to to watch this again um it's definitely for a more patient sort of person like if you're looking for like a quick 90 minute thrill ride this is not this is not for you <laughs> yeah you need you need to set aside some time you have to be comfortable with reading subtitles and you have to pay attention during this movie for sure and uh but i highly recommend it man i think it's um probably it's probably in my i would say a top 20 southeast asian you know horror films for me yeah, you know, when, you know, like we're talking about most important movies of the last uh, 23 years, I, I really think this is one to to discuss. I mean, it is such a well-made movie. Yeah, that, and, that's the other thing, man. Like, you're, you're watching, like, it's a film. You know what I'm trying to say? It's, yeah. It's, like, very meticulously crafted and the... Um, production is excellent and the whole the whole thing is, is well acted everything you know what too i wanted to point out it's not shot like a horror movie like expand, expand on that yeah i want to hear what you have to say about that there aren't it doesn't you know like there aren't there's no creepy score really right there's no jump cuts uh, there's nothing to imply that you're watching a horror movie it just basically is the plot and that is the horror it's what's happening on screen there's no other trickster up, up its sleeves to make it scary or anything like that you know um it, it feels like like i don't know I, I think that's a a good way to to go like sometimes those elements can like kind of ruin a horror movie you know what i mean like the material isn't strong enough so you need to disguise it with creepy score or whatever and it, it just has none of that 
it, it's sort of like feels like you're, you're watching a, a suburban or like, you know, a drama until you're not. Actually, that's another similarity between Kill List, too, if you think about it, because Kill List does not Absolutely. isn't staged like a horror film either. That's like one of those like hard ass like British crime movies or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even up until like the the, the, the very end, like uh, there, there there's nothing like that in in this movie at all. Like I I like that the stuff you know they think there might be a ghost in the village, there might be a demon in the village, but there's you know there's no fake outs. There's there, there's none of that stuff. Yeah, and there's still like the idea that it might actually. Well, that's not true. Well, to a certain extent, that it actually could be an actual just infection making people insane. Yeah, they kind of don't really like the. the like, at one point, I kind of forgot about the infection in this movie. The other thing they play up on too, which I found interesting, is is um, like the idea of ritual, you know, and there that plays a big part of this thing, you know, and belief, you know, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've read about like all sorts of like things that happen and exorcisms and you know sure. stories over the years of people, they're belief systems manifesting certain things in their bodies and and that's during the ritual scene in this film i was kind of thinking about that i was like wow like maybe you know like i know we're watching a supernatural horror film but also part of this might be about that belief system you know if you devoutly have belief in certain things and these rituals happen it connects with some part of you that creates this, you know, if you believe something, like if you believe that you're possessed or if your belief system makes you believe that you're possessed, you know, and then this sure. ritual happens and then the music and the the chanting and all that kind of stuff, how that affects you on like a subconscious level, you know? Right. Yeah. And then you think about a lot the of that lo- stuff. Yeah. There is a, a lot to mull over and think about after you've seen this is a great movie to see with someone there's also, you know, paying attention. To, there's a lot to talk about. Um, there's a lot I like to talk about that, we're, you know, we highly recommend you see this uh, and come to your own conclusions. And I'd be curious if anyone know what other people think about the ending of this film and, and, and what happened. But um, what do you grade this? What, what would you give this? Um, I'm, I've, I'm a fan and I've liked it. And I, I give it a 4.5 out of 5. Okay, I would have started if, if um, at like a two and a half, three at my first viewing, but now uh, it's up somewhere in four, four point five range. Um, it, it's it's really good, man, and it's crazy sometimes what a second viewing years later can can just completely change a film for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was. Um... That's happened to me a bunch of times over the years with movies that I didn't necessarily like originally, and uh, and now I'm like a big fan of that, you know. And uh, but I mean, this one I did like, you know. Um, Has it ever gone the other way where you love something, you watch it again, you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. Yeah, there's there's been movies I've seen that don't hold up for sure, you know. The Met that's definitely yeah. happened in my life, for, you know, no doubt, you know. I've had all sorts of like films i used to love and then i watch it again and it's like this movie's kind of a piece of shit actually yeah it happened to me a lot when i was like a big stoner and i'd watch something and be like this movie's great and then watch it years later when i'm not a stoner anymore and i'm like 
what the fuck was I thinking? This sucks. <laughs> yeah, nothing, no, I'm, I'm trying to think. What nothing specifically comes to mind, but yeah, I've, I've for sure had had experiences like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I am. Yeah, complete. I went from not recommending this movie to liking it a lot. Yeah. I got one more and, thing I wanted to ask you about, actually. Sure. Completely unrelated. You, okay. You, you and I are um, we're fans of Six Feet Under, right? The the TV show from HBO, like back in the late nineties into the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it started in the late nineties, right? I think it was early two thousands. I'm okay. not sure. Now, after watching the entire season series, rather, okay, is there an argument to be made that Six Feet Under is a Shirley Jackson esque ghost story huh you know what that's interesting yeah. uh i i can see that yeah i mean it, it's not something yeah. i mean i don't have strong a strong opinion about that but i told you recently i've been you know watching it again and um you know knowing how everything turned out you know with the with the death of nate and um yeah and all the there's so much foreshadowing, even from like all the way back to like the first season, and yeah. the, the appearance of the father as a ghost, you know. And, yeah, you and, know, I, I he's in every episode. Yes, um, I only did that show once through back in 2006. The last time I saw it, uh, I just moved back to LA, and. Um, Aaron Harris had it on uh, DVD. He's like, watch this. Just just watch it. He's like, it's amazing. Yeah. And we blew through it pretty quick. And yeah, I mean, it's so heavy. And I didn't expect to be so emotionally affected by the end of it. I was like, man, like, this, this is such a you know, journey <laughs> now I'm watching this show. Um, I'm curious to go do... Um, a rewatch some uh you know it's been quite a while 2006 was a while ago now yeah the movie uh, the movie is like a very i mean the show is very interesting it's got like a very heavy tone to it and there's a lot of humor and then there are these elements to it like i was saying like with the ghost and part of me is like yeah i i, I realize the you know there's definitely an argument to be made that this is like all in nate's head but you know what it, it touches on the belief, the stuff I was talking about earlier about belief and you know what's real and what's not real and like you perceive things to be a certain way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I was gonna do a rewatch of the Shield. Now I'm like, hmm, maybe maybe Six Feet Under is up next to, for a rewatch. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's like so many elements to it, man. And it's so dated in some ways, but also timeless. That's what I was gonna ask you about. Like, is it a little like like dated or like it, it probably looks bad by today's standards no no i think it play it still plays really well like it's not you don't it's not like watching a movie from the 80s or something like that or a show from the 80s right it still plays really great but um it's very nostalgic you know what i mean because like, yeah you know like being of a similar age of the characters in the um you know they're in the in the in the show and and having gone through like you know certain lifestyle life things that happen were happening concurrently to me while I was watching that. You know what I mean? And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, it, you relate to it in a certain way. 
and there are definitely references like with phones and stuff like there's a scene where david is uh inputting phone names and contacts into his new cell phone you know like by hand <laughs> yeah you know? yeah and uh yeah just the lack of like social media like all that kind of stuff like the good old days before social media the- was a thing yeah yeah before the world was fucking ruined yeah yeah um yeah I'd be, i'm very very curious to to watch that again and uh you know by next episode you know i'll let you know if i'm watching it yeah let me let me i'm interested to hear about your idea about like this whole like, ghost story thing you know because it, it part i remember really this last time watching it be like man this is like a like a fucking ghost story in some ways yeah, you know that house. I remember I drove by that house in L.A. It's in like this weird nebulous area in L.A. that I'd never been to before. And I was in that area, I was like, oh, let me check out that house. And even the role of the house, you know, it's like this gothic sort of trope that's part of. It's a fucking mortuary, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a very creepy house. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cool. That's all I got to say about it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> um, the Wailing. Uh, see it, uh, see it with someone, and discuss because there's there's a lot lot lots to talk about with that one. And if you want to discuss it with with us, go ahead. I'll, I'll talk to anyone. You cannot have your phone with you, and you have to pay attention. No, that's the one disclaimer. Yeah, you have to pay very close attention, uh, or, or you will be lost. You'll probably be lost anyway. I mean, I like I said, I I'm still not a hundred percent sure. If everything I think happened, happened, you know? Right, right, for sure. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Take care. All right, take care.